He's a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. The transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to The Transparent Truth. It's your boy, Coach Keith. Intercom Studios and a Miracle Mile. I'm feeling good. I got a purple monster in front of me, <laughs> but I don't have my boy in front of me. But he's on the line, GB. What it do? Hey, what's up, man? I got a, uh, I got some uh, refrigerator water at GB's house. That, that's that's my refreshment right now. So oh, that's a bad look, man. Yeah, I do. I got I got a purple monster. Shout out to my guy Dan Lamb. We're gonna have to take a trip to Corona go visit our guy. Absolutely. Monster headquarters out out in Corona. Special place. Special people. They treated us really well. GB last year when we went by. We gotta get back and make a stop, man. They miss us. They miss us, and I don't think they miss us as much as I miss them. Or if I want to be more specific. No, I can't say it. I don't want to smell <laughs> my guy, Dan Lamb. I do miss my monster, though, man. I do miss those. Ain't no doubt about it. Ever since I've had one, I just can't get enough of this stuff, man. So, anyway, it's my go-to <laughs> every Tuesday morning when we record the Transparent Truth, man. It's the number one podcast, number one high school football podcast in America. And today, we rocking and rolling. We've got our recruiting coming up with GB. we got a sleeper. Um, out in the Huntington Beach area. It's going to be very, very interesting. GB is going to fill us in and give us the, the the inside on this kid. We got the top off-season performers out here on the West Coast. We're going to be going down our list of kids who have been outstanding this off-season and really separated themselves from the competition. We got our one to watch from the South Bay, my alma mater, Sarah High School. And then we're going to bring this baby to a close. So it's not a huge show, but we know we're going to hit you with information right up over the head. Starting off with recruiting GB. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Give it to him. So we had four commitments. Yeah. Uh, one that's kind of hot off the press is that just happened. Of course, when the show airs on Wednesday, it won't have just happened. But Brian Addison, a uh, very unique, interesting story. Uh, Former UCLA signee out of Gardena Sarah. Kind of probably you can call him one of the two or three headliners in UCLA's 2018 class. Had some issues, was fully academically cleared by the NCAA clearinghouse. Uh, UCLA has a little bit higher standards than NCAA, and uh, he hadn't heard yet um, if he was fully in. And he was getting closer and closer, and I think the Addison family started to get a little bit nervous and say, you know what, I don't want to risk waiting and then being told, hey, we can't get you in here, and now I'm stuck with nowhere to go. So they actually asked for their letter of intent last week. They were granted a full release with no restrictions on Monday, and he chose the Oregon Ducks, the one school on his list, which also included Washington, USC, Nebraska, and ASU. The one school he never visited was Oregon. Really connected well with, uh, with Keith Hayward, and as we've seen so many times, man, Oregon, when they want a kid, they go all in for him. And, and Brian said he felt that love. He felt the connection with Coach Hayward. He, uh, he likes the opportunity to go in there and play right now. He can play on both sides of the ball. He said that they said he's going to come in at safety first, get his feet wet there, and then probably transition to receiver maybe later on down the road. But for now, he's coming in as a safety. And um, he's hopeful of getting up there next week. Fall camp starts, he said, August 3rd. And so he's hopeful to get up there for the start of fall camp. He said, worst case scenario, miss the first couple of days, depending on paperwork and all that. 
but Brian Addison is a duck, Keith Miller. Wow. I'm, I'm just, I'm taking it back, GB. I'm really taking it back. What a coup for the Oregon 2019 recruiting club. You talking about a stellar two-way player, a kid that's going to bring energy, athleticism, playmaking, superior talent, size, length, body control, and ball skills to the game. I don't like him at safety. I don't like that fit. But let me tell you something. Brian Addison is a big-time talent who can step on the field and make plays wherever he's at. I just preferred being on the defensive side of the ball, but a great, great pickup for the Ducks. Yeah, you mean offensive side of the ball you meant, right? I meant offensive side of the Ducks. Did I say defense? Yeah. I'm sorry. You said the defensive side of the no, ball. Love no, I, I agree. Yeah, love him on offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he could be uh, the ideal safety at the next level if they kind of took the pads off and say, hey, let's go seven on seven. That's where he really thrives. He needs to put on some weight. He's probably about a buck eighty. If he, you know, I don't want him to go up, come up for a big hit and break himself in half. But as far as a range um, and a guy that just makes ball plays, man, he's got all that talent in the world. So hopefully it works out for him, and I think it will. Staying with the Oregon Duck theme, also uh, picked up a player, a safety from Lynette, Alabama, Triquez Bridges, and then the big one yesterday was Micah Pittman, the elite elite receiver. Calabasas had him on the show last week. Told his story going from Oaks Christian to Calabasas. Uh, always fun talking with Micah. Came down to the Ducks and the Florida Gators, but he chose Oregon for kind of the same reasons why uh, Addison said he did. He just said he felt the love from the staff. He just said they the, the, the amount of I don't want to use the word love again, but he just said the connection that he felt with not just his position coaches but the whole entire staff going from Mario Cristobal all the way down to the training staff was just insane. Also, he wants to play right now, and he believes that he can go in there and play right now. He's going to be an early grad. So Oregon was able to land three players, Keith, in the last two days. So uh, the Ducks looking good right now. Man, I love it. You know, and let me let me just say this, GB. In terms of Oregon recruiting right now, I mean, they're as hot or hotter than anybody in the country. I mean, they are loading up with not just good football players, I'm talking great football players. You talk about guys like Mace Fona, Sean Dollars, Jeremiah Cradell, Michael Wright. Now you're talking about Micah Pittman, easily one of the top 10 wide receivers in the nation. And then to get a guy like Brian Addison on the back end of his 2018 recruiting class, sheesh. Oregon's recruiting is as high as, hot as anybody. Their staff is on fire. Keith Hayward, Dante Williams, they just added my guy, Coach Rod Chance from Southern Utah, who is a phenomenal, Greg, phenomenal recruiter, a absolute animal as a coach, and he's going to add tremendous value as an analyst to that staff. Coach Cristobal, man, I said this yesterday in a tweet, he's done a great job assembling a staff of terrific people, recruiters, um, and just genuine down-home folks who understand relationships, who understand and can relate to kids, and can make young people feel at home when they visit Eugene. Outstanding job. My hat is off to him. Yeah, no doubt. And then, uh, last but not least, UCLA, speaking of, they did lose, <clears throat> did lose Brian Addison. Excuse me there. Um, but they did pick up a commitment from linebacker 
out of Palmdale High School, John Ward, 6'3", 230 kid, inside linebacker all the way. Um, came down to, uh, I believe, Boise State, Cal, uh, was heavily in the mix. Uh, UCLA was the dream school. He had visited there a couple times. And just like Chip Kelly, uh, Chip Kelly, Don Pelham, Roy Manning, the direction the program's going in. And again, you know, some kids just want to stay home. And I think uh, UCLA offered Ward what he was looking for. Plus, it was down the street. So uh, UCLA, a little bit on the slow side to get rolling. But John Ward, a, a pretty solid piece for them as they try to replenish their linebacker core. Yeah, a physical kid. I remember watching tape of Ward more than a year and a half ago. Um, they had some pieces down there in that area, in that Lancaster area. Um, he's a guy who can run and hit. He's got a, a hard hat for a head. He can get sideline to sideline. Haven't seen him in person um, in a camp or in that type of setting, but on tape, again, a guy who's who's physical, who can run sideline to sideline, hit and wrap, get guys on the ground. So, again, UCLA trying to change the culture and, and turn the tide from a soft defense that gives up all types of yardage and touchdowns on the ground to build to come in with a physical presence and a hard hat on somebody's tail when they tote the pill. So UCLA defense, UCLA culture, trying to get it turned around, trying to get it changed under head coach Chip Kelly. And so those are the, those are the commitments, but there's going to be three more guys popping on Wednesday night. Uh, Bryce Young, Cameron Williams, Carl Jones, Cameron Williams and Carl Jones are Bakersfield teammates. Uh, Kevin Williams was a former Oregon commit. He backed off that. He's now looking at USC and Washington. I think those are the main two. I've kind of felt Washington with him. And then Carl Jones, uh, also kind of an athlete, but I believe he'll uh, probably be in the secondary at the next level. He took an official visit to Colorado, and I think uh, the Buffs are probably in the best spot for Carl Jones. And then Bryce Young, the 2020 quarterback, um, USC, Washington, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, the main schools, Really came down to Oklahoma and USC, and uh, Bryce will make that decision Wednesday night, and we'll have a special treat for our listeners on the Friday show. Bryce will be on um, the Friday show talking about his commitment, why he made the choice that he did, so something to look forward to. Um, So all three of those guys will be popping on Wednesday, and uh, that'll be about it. August is going to be big. I'm starting to see a lot of guys, Giles Jackson and um, Jude Wolf, Spencer Lytle, they're all making their decisions in early September, too, so, uh, or excuse me, early August. So I think right now is the time where kids are starting to want to, you know, get this done before their senior year, before football starts. They just want to focus in on, on school and football. Um, hopefully that order, but probably more likely it's football school. But they want to get their decision out of the way, focus on the things that matter most. And so I think we're kind of seeing a run on commitments right now. So still in the middle of a dead period. The dead period will end, Keith, this Wednesday. And don't want to keep talking about them over and over, and over again, but... Oregon is having a, uh, I think they're calling it the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live this week, and they're going to have another 30 kids on campus doing a big old barbecue thing and making it big. So uh, Oregon, don't be shocked if they add one or two more players this weekend. When it comes to recruiting, man, they, they know what they're doing. They're really doing it right. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, GB. And I might make that trip up to Saturday Night Live. And you know what? I just might commit on the spot to the Ducks. All right? If I get me an offer, you know what I mean? I'm going to try to get up there to Eugene, check out the talent, hang out with the coaches. My guy, Rod Chance, that's my guy. He's my boy. We're the Showtime Lakers, Shaq and Kobe. Of course, Keith Harry, we're Dante, Dante Williams. Known those guys for years. Man, that, that Oregon staff, man, it's, they got a beautiful thing going. And 
I just love what they're doing. The Saturday Night Live should be fun. It should be festive. The atmosphere should be crazy. I hear there's going to be like 15,000 fans there, which should be bananas. GB, you might have to jump on a plane, my friend. Shoot, man, I got I got stuff. I got family commitments, but uh, I'll live <laughs> vicariously through you this weekend, man. I want, I want to see you try to commit. Right now, they're, dude, they're filling up. I don't know if they have room for... For you know, for, for unless you're a four or five star team, I don't think they might not have room for you, my man. <laughs> GP, is there a question if I'm not a five star? What's going on, dude? I need you to get right over there. <laughs> you tell me how it goes. You yeah. tell me. I, I bet it's going to be a great time. Oh. I wish I could go. Maybe now I'll take a rain set next time. Next hey, time I'll be there. Hey, I want to remind you, 2021 athlete. Mission Viejo High School, Maven Anderson, who has an Oregon offer, will be at the camp this Saturday. Don't be surprised if he lights it up, GB. The kid's going to run 4-4 if they if they get him timed in a 40. And uh, he's going to make some people look bad in one-on-ones. The guy can go. I'm looking to hear, you know, if I don't make it up there, looking to hear what type of performance he puts on. I'm really high on the kid. I think he's special. Just how you're gonna say? Don't be surprised if he commits. I was gonna say, dude, don't do it, young what? man. No, 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 no. I know, I know, he likes Oregon, but I don't know if it's commit time. And let's just play it out. Yeah, play it out a little bit. Not telling anybody what to do. You already got seven McGee who made an early, early commitment, but I, I don't want to see too many freshmen, sophomores do it before they even really know what they're getting into. You right. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, yeah. No, I'm with you on that, GB. Well, hey, my man, appreciate it. Uh, recruiting is always hot. It's really hot in the Pacific Northwest right now. Cam Williams, will he be the next UW commit? What about Bryce Young? You say it's Oklahoma. You say it's SC. I'm thinking SC. JT Daniels is already there. Bryce Young, maybe in two years. Where does DJ Uyanalele end up? Maybe the Ducks? Can the Ducks snag another big fish out of SoCal? GB, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. I mean, I think uh, I think we could definitely talk about DJ for a long time. If in the event, I think a lot of people always kind of earmark DJ for USC just because you know the family has always been kind of a pro SC family, and we know DJ when he was a young kid was you know the story that his dad told me was man, he was ready to commit to Pete Carroll when he was like five years old or something. But I'd watch out for Oregon, but watch out even maybe even more for Clemson. He absolutely loved that visit. He loved the school. He loves Coach Davo Sweeney. He loves the kind of the spiritual vibe that I, I can really relate to that uh, DJ felt out there. He said, man, I, I wanted, I'd never been to a school where they openly talked about Jesus so much, and he was down with that. So I'd say, man, right now, if Sunday Day was tomorrow, dude, I think the Clemson Tigers might be the team to beat for DJ, but Oregon is right there as well. I, for me, those are probably his top two. Again, it's early, but watch out for those two. With Mr. DJ, we'll be under the lake. Wow, same way. The legendary Bobby Bowden built Florida State, GB, on the backs of the gospel, on the back of the gospel, and on the word of Jesus Christ. So very interesting. Very, very interesting, Dabo Sweeney. And uh, Can I get an amen? Hey, Preach it. Hey, listen, Preach man. It, if, if you are guiding, mentoring, and leading young men under the name of Jesus Christ and, and on the shoulders of our Heavenly Father, I have no problem whatsoever with that i encourage that and i encourage young men to uh, look heavily in that direction because uh the more young men under christ is a is a is a more improved nation and a nation under christ um that i think benefits everyone involved so shout out to Dabo uh and you know keep doing your thing coach Sweeney. i love what you're doing out there in south carolina up at clemson death valley and uh, they got a loaded group gonna make another run at the national title trevor lawrence 
Better, you better look out. They, they got a lot of heat over there. I know that's your that guy, Lawrence, GB. Special. Woo, special. Yeah, special no doubt talent. about it. So it's time to move on, GB. We got to get to our sleeper of the week. It's time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy, Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price, or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, our sleeper of the week this week. Very interested to learn a little bit about this kid. GB, you got it. You saw this kid. Why don't you fill us in on what you saw, who he is, and what can what can we expect from him in the 2018 season? Yes, I was at Huntington Beach High School. The final, kind of the final seven on seven slash lineman competition of the of the year of the summer. And Huntington Beach High School's got a couple good-looking players, but uh, the one that really jumped out for me was Jeremiah Flanagan. I actually saw him last year at the exact same tournament. Uh, a big length, um, big long kid with a lot of length, 6'3", 6'4", playing corner receiver safety. And after I watched him, I, I kind of remembered. I, I remember this guy from last year. I kind of assumed he was a you know graduated 2018 kid, just, just a 2019 kid, but flipped on my little huddle there. I was over my data limit, but I didn't care. I just wanted to see what his huddle looked like while I was out there at the Huntington Beach High School field. And the guy's making some plays on both sides of the ball, watching him right there with my own eyes at the field, at the tournament, upsetting San Clemente. He's getting deep against those guys, upset San Clemente and our guy Jaime Ortiz in the Huntington Beach tournament, missed the semifinals of their tournament. But the guy definitely has all the next-level tools that you could possibly want. And I'm just thinking to myself, and I don't want to assume, but all I know is this. No offers yet. He mentioned that Washington State was pretty close to doing something and about three or four other schools that he threw out there, but no offers yet for this kid. And I'll tell you what, man, I saw, I've seen a lot of kids over this past offseason that do have offers that can't hold a jock, uh, can't hold this guy's jock in terms of his next level tools, upside, just the length, right. athleticism, the body control, you know, kind of the ball skills. This guy looks like he's a pretty gifted kid. And again, as we talked about a lot, Keith, we talked about next level. It's all about two things, upside and projection. Sure. And when you have a guy who's six three, he's all of six three. Right, and he's long. Probably six four, the media guy, I bet. But he's yeah. all of six three with long arms, and he can move a little bit, make plays in the ball. I tell you what, man, this guy looks like a definite sleeper for me, and a guy that if the grades check out, and I don't want to assume, so I'm just gonna say, if the grades do check out, right, he can help your program. So Jeremiah Flanagan, Huntington Beach High School, 2019, no offers yet. Watch him. I don't think the kid's even on Twitter. I couldn't find him on Twitter, so. That could be a reason why he's a sleeper because, you know, maybe he's, he needs to put himself out there a little, little bit more. But the Flanagan kid, Keith, he can go a little bit. I kind of like him. Yeah, that's interesting. Just to have a guy out in Huntington Beach with that type of size, length, and athletic ability that you're talking about, GB, um, for us and for, I guess, college coaches not to know much about this kid, it just goes to show um, why social media is important in terms of recruiting, right? I mean, if this kid was on social media – um, if his tape was out there on social media, whatever the case may be, I think we probably know a little bit more about him. But 
You talk about a fluid athlete with, you know, next next level size and upside in ball skills. You know, we should be a little bit more um, up to date on this kid and his ability and kind of what he has in the bank. But hey, Jeremiah Flanagan, this week's transparent truth sleeper of the week, GB. And, and not only that, Keith, you mentioned that you know the the you know getting himself out there on Twitter, but I didn't see him on the seven on seven circuit at all. And I know a lot of people like to badmouth seven on seven. And, you know, a lot of people believe it's, it's equivalent to the great Satan itself. But one thing about it though, is it's a great way for kids to get some exposure, right? It's a great way for players who maybe they don't go to a program in the Trinity league or Centennial or mission Viejo. Sure. But if you go to a seven on seven team and, and you're playing for it and, uh, you know, it's a great way to be seen. So, I didn't see him on that circuit either. So as much as we'd like to kind of dog out seven on seven, man, it is a great opportunity for kids to get seen and get noticed and get exposure, which this kid definitely needs. So that's another kind of thing that, uh, you know, maybe that's why he's kind of under the radar a little bit. Uh, he needs an under the radar video. That's what the kid needs. He needs my guy, Stephen Thomas, brother Ali, to take care of him and get a little under the radar video out there. Because, dude, I, I wish you could have seen him, Keith. I mean, this guy just... He's one of those guys you walk onto a field, and he's the first guy you point to. Right. Okay, can he play? Because he looks like he can go. Right. If he can play as good as he looks, he's got a chance. Did you like him better defensively or offensively or just as an athlete? Probably as an athlete, but probably a little better as a safety. Okay. As a receiver, you know, ball skills were were good, but I just like the way he rubbed around as a safety. I just think the way his body is kind of built, he just looks like that's going to be his mill ticket. 6'3 safety doesn't sound bad to me, GB. Oh, man, I, was, I, I liked him. Yeah, doesn't sound bad at all. All right. So, Jeremiah Flanagan, congratulations, man. Sleeper of the week. Things should blow up if the grades check out. We're going to put an emphasis on that. GB, it's time to move on, my man. It's time for our top off-season performers. So, this segment of the show, me and Greg, we're going to go down our list of players who we felt blew it up this offseason, all right? Whether it be in, in, in camps, in combines, and showcases, and seven-on-seven. But one of the premises of the of this list, um, or of these lists, because there's two of them, we had to have seen you in person, right? We had to have eyes on you. If we didn't see you, then we didn't include you. Doesn't mean you didn't blow it up this offseason. Just means that we didn't see you blow it up this offseason with our own eyes. So please don't take that as disrespect. If you do, that sucks to be you. All right? So we're going to get this thing moving and grooving. GB, I want to start off on the defensive side of the ball since I'm a defensive coach. And we're going to start off with the defensive line because that's where the game is won and lost on my side of the ball. I want to start off at the defensive end position. Top two guys that I saw this offseason on the West Coast. I'm going to start off with Drake Jackson out of Centennial. I thought he was pretty dominant all offseason. Um, when he did, when he wasn't dominant, he was still very good. Uh, saw him at the Centennial Showcase. He was electric and explosive. Saw him at the Nike camp. Thought he probably should have won MVP defensively, but I mean, he's got a terrific blend of size and quickness and hand moves uh, with his finesse game. On the opposite side of him, defensive end, I'm going to go with Kayvon Thibodeau. Thought he was pretty outstanding. I thought he finished unbelievably strong at the opening and at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy. Uh, just too big, too fast, too strong. And then he became an IQ guy. 
Then he had a game plan towards the end of the summer where when he put his hand in the ground, he had a plan to win. He learned how to lean and reach with that upfield arm. He learned how to work himself back to the inside. Didn't start off super strong at the Nike camp, uh, but I'm telling you, he finished amazingly and I uh, thought he was absolutely my number one guy um, coming out of this offseason. So those are my two defensive ends. GB, you want to take it over? Yeah, so I actually had, and we didn't talk about these ahead of time at all, um, but I actually wrote down Drake Jackson, Kayvon Thibodeau as well. So I'm not going to belabor them too much. Okay. Um, but I was going to throw in Jacob Bandis as well, or did you separate D-tackles and defensive ends? Yeah, I separated those two. Okay. Um, so you want to go with defensive tackles well, now? Just go to, I guess go to defensive tackles. Yeah, okay. yeah, Jacob Bandis was a guy, like I said, I like Drake a lot. And I like Kayvon quite a bit as well. I thought Drake Jackson was deserving of getting to the opening. I thought he was impressive. As, as you said, I thought he should have been MVP. Uh, although Keon Ware Hudson, I want to throw him some love because he went out there and he got that MVP. And he was also impressive the week, week before the Nike camp at the Under Armour event. He's kind of my sleeper to watch. I missed his junior year, but a sleeper to watch. But talk about D tackles. I had two guys, Siaki Ika, saw him in Vegas. Massive kid, 360. Yeah. Would love for him to be 330. I think he dropped down, uh, dropped about 15 pounds between Vegas and the opening finals in Dallas. So he was down to a measly, I don't know what, 345, 350-ish or something like that. But yeah. still, um, the kid is big, strong, and powerful. And, and Jacob Bandis, been a fan of his for, for quite a long time. And just a, a dominant interior guy. Great first step. Very powerful. It's a guy who can beat you with just his first punch. Also was impressed with him. Some at the future 50 uh, out there in Orlando prior to the Under Armour All-American game last year and, and liked him a lot then. Thought he should have been MVP at the Nike camp in NorCal two years ago. And he told me that was kind of his motivating factor. So Ika and Bandis, two big-time interior D linemen. Very, very curious where they're going to end up in college. But I, I love both those guys. And this is a list based on who we like now. But I think both those two guys have a lot of next-level upside as well. Yeah, this is not a list on projection and upside. Just yeah, not a recruiting list. Yeah, who we thought blew it up. Hard to – I mean, I'm not going to argue with ba- Big Bandis. I call, his nickname is Triple Bs, right? I <laughs> named him Big Bad Bandis, right, because he's a bad boy. Siaki Ika, I mean, he's – He's a man's man in the interior. There's no doubt about it. I want to, like you said, Keon Warehouse, and I thought he deserves some shout out. Um, he's got a terrific blend of finesse and quickness and ability to uh, be flexible, get skinny, and slide and slither through gaps. Um, thought he really did a really nice job this offseason. One guy I want to shout out um, that I doesn't, th- I don't think gets a lot of love, but I think he will earn it this year. Centennial defensive tackle Malik Skurlock. Saw him at the Centennial Showcase. I thought, man, this kid's a Pac-12 player. There's no doubt about it. And I think he's going to put the pain and punishment on people in the interior for that Centennial defensive line, which I think is one of the best on the West Coast. So remember that name, Malik Skurlock. He's got a few offers. He will have a lot more once the season gets rolling and gets towards the end. But I thought he was really, really good as well. Um, Let's move on to the linebackers. Uh, this one was easy for a couple, and then my third guy, eh, I kind of had to shake it up a little bit. So I'm going to start off with Justin Flo, um, as dominant as uh, offseason as anyone in the country probably. Um, just as good without pads as he is in pads. Plays with unbelievable edge, intensity, and passion. It's just a physical 
beast when he gets to the football, elevates the play and the intensity of his teammates, uh, and just I can feel a big-time leader. And that's what you need right in the middle of your defense. Justin Flo is special. DeGabriel Floyd, I thought really uh, improved his stock this offseason. I saw a better sense of, um, I just want to say football IQ, just a better feel, better instincts as a football player. Still maintains the athleticism, even though he's up to 240 pounds. The Westlake inside linebacker really showed me something at the opening, moving and grooving in the open field, getting his hips turned, finding a football and making plays. And then a kid that I like, GB, and I've liked for a couple of years now. He was the defensive player of the year in his league last year. Luke Hogard out of Edison High School. About 5'11", about 2'10", but hits like a Mack truck. Runs sideline to sideline, sacks quarterbacks, gets in the passing lane, intercepts balls. I really, really like this kid. I mean, he's just a really good football player. He's got a couple offers. I think Air Force is one of them. He'll probably be a Naval Academy guy and an Academy guy, but... Luke Hogard out of Edison High School. A lot of respect for him. Want to take my hat off and salute you, big dog. You play the game the right way and I love how you run and hit. GB? So I also have Justin Flo and Gabe Floyd. It's good good to see you finally come around, Keith. Gabe Floyd, one of the first guys, one of our first shows, you called me out publicly, tried to humiliate and embarrass me. No, come on. I just, just I, thought, I thought he I'm was, I thought you pushed him up a little high, but he's earned it. You didn't like his physicality. I, I didn't, not initially. You came around. You came around, as as you always do. You came to the dark side and came on GB side. Mostly, it was about his instincts. That was that was the thing that that was my question mark. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not going to belabor either of those two guys. Okay. Um, but I again didn't talk to you ahead of time. But had Justin Flo, Gabe Floyd. Um, my third guy was Tristan St. Clair, who is a guy who I, I really really liked a lot at the NorCal Nike Camp, the opening regional out there just a real twitchy athletic kid kind of a tweener in terms of safety linebacker hybrid although I think most schools like him as a linebacker you know dad played at Stanford Uh, Notre Dame is pushing hard and so with Cal he's going to make an August early August decision I I think Stanford just because a number of things I think it's because that's what the school he grew up liking they offered him even though they offered him kind of late compared to the other schools but I I think Sinclair is a kid who I think in this day and age of, of you need guys that can play multiple spots in the defense. You want guys that can run and be athletic no matter sure. where you line them up. This sure. is a kid who may be about 205 pounds. I think he'll be able to play at 220, though. But he has the necessary physicality to play linebacker, right? He's not just a guy who could run around and, and make ankle tackles. This guy will, will bust you in the mouth. Yeah. And he is a hyper-athletic kid who makes plays on the ball. Really good-looking kid. Played with Nate Kenyon all offseason on the 7-on-7 seven seven squad. Got invited to the opening finals out there in Dallas and made plays there as well. So I like Flo, I like Gabe Floyd, and then Tristan St. Clair is my other linebacker that jumped out for me. Nice. I like that. I really like that. Want to give a quick shout out to uh, Tua CV from Centennial. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah. Tua CV. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, the Centennial linebacker, I thought he was pretty exceptional as well this offseason. A pass rusher, a zone dropper, a guy can run the wheel route uh, for, the run, for the running back and stay on top and play the football. So I think he's a really good football player, and I thought he really flashed this offseason. So let's move on to the DBs. I'll let you start it off, GB. Yeah, so, I mean, the usual suspects, right? Mikael Wright had, had his moment, Chris Steele, Max Williams. They all got invited to the opening finals. It was well-deserved. 
kind of a sleeper for me was Jackson Turner, who I absolutely loved. And, and again, this is a kid who I thought should have been recruited much heavier than he really is right now. Um, basketball player, so he, he missed some tournaments to do AAU and was dominant on that uh, area of his field as well, I guess you could say. Um, Clark Phillips, no one does more, um, whether it be off-season training, whether it be working out uh, with a trainer, whether it be going to the beach, working out, whether it be doing seven-on-seven, seven, whether it be going to camps and getting better. I mean, Clark does it all. But if I had to pick an MVP, Keith, and I know you're probably going to agree with me, um, for me, the, the guy that was most impressive was Elias Ricks. Only a 2020 kid, but you can make an argument right now. Maybe the number one corner in the country as a junior. I, I think he checks off every box you can want. He's getting 6'3", but he's lean and he's fluid. You know, ran 4'6 with the opening, which is plenty fast enough. People don't realize how fast 4'6 is, especially when you can close the way he, de- uh, the way he does and he'll get faster. But just the toughness, the, the dog mentality. The, the ball skills, the instincts, it's all there. So um, all those guys I mentioned, whether it be, you know, Mikel and Jackson and Steele and Mac Clark, they all were great, but my MVP would have to go to Elias Ricks. Yeah, I can't, I can't break it down any better than that, GB. That was a fantastic job. I have all those guys. You, Jackson Turner is your sleeper. I really love that one. I mean, he's got a ton of athletic ability and just a, a multi-sport guy who can make multi-movements and be comfortable and smooth. Um, at that defensive back's position and make plays. I really, really like that. Um, I really was impressed with Trent McDuffie at the opening. You want to shout him out. I didn't see him a ton this offseason. Of course, he was running track, which I am totally uh, pro. I'm a pro track guy. I mean, I'm very for track for, for football players. But saw him at the opening. I thought he looked really, really good. But again, I reiterate your sentiments. Elias Ricks is special. Um, his unique skill set I mean it just reminds me of the greats right it reminds me of the Anamdi Asamoahs who I just spent the weekend with Um, it reminds me of the Richard Sherman the ability to run and be physical and have the length with the ball skills it's just that's just you just don't find guys like that you just don't and they come around once every five to ten years and so you got this kid at modern day who's special and, and, and love Clark Phillips. I mean, nobody's hungrier than Clark Phillips. Listen, you know, I, I think you said that and you pointed that out. Chris Still's a dog. Max Williams is he's been doing this now for four years. Elias Rex is, is just super special, man. So I think, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Uh, all those guys had great off seasons. It might kill right as well. Uh, but Elias Rex, I think. Uh, he might be at the top of the food chain right now. As far as an athlete is concerned, GB, I have an athlete section. I want to shout out and, and give this award, if we're giving awards, to Makai, <laughs> Makai Polk out of El Cerrito. You talk about a guy whose stock may be improved as much as anyone this offseason on the West Coast, maybe besides Jows Jackson. Makai Polk really blew up this offseason. And what I saw when I caught him... Um, at the USC camp is I saw a more filled out body, a more explosive burst, a more confident ball skills guy, a guy playing with some swag, a guy, you know, talking a little trash, a guy walking with a little with a little lean. I mean, the confidence level was just sky high, and then he was just making plays. Makai Polk, my athlete of the offseason, he was big time, GB. 
No, I, I like that. I didn't prepare an athlete, but uh, another DB that I could easily slide into this athlete category is, would be Achille Arnold, Mission Viejo kid. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, he can, he can play DB, which we just left that position, but he also can play with some, uh, some running back. He told me that some schools actually like him as a slot receiver, but he's just, I just call him a football player. He's just simply a guy you put out there, and no matter what the setting is, whether it be seven on seven or pads, and he's been doing it forever. You talk to people that know this kid from the Pop Warner days. He's just a naturally instinctive player. The ball just seems to find him. And it's kind of a soccer term that I've used before, man. Those really good soccer players, the ball just seems to find you. Achille Arnold is that guy on the football field. The ball, when he was playing corner or safety, he just always happens to be in the right place, right time. Kind of a step ahead of everybody else. So my athlete, uh, and I do like your choice as well, but Achille Arnold is a guy who I'm a, I'm a big fan of. Um, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and, and just to add, I want to show this kid some love, too. His teammate, how about JoJo Forrest? He had a pretty good offseason, nabbed a couple of offers, made some big-time plays in some 7-on-7 tournaments, has tested well um, in the high 4-5 range. I think he's. I think those two guys are set to have terrific seasons uh, with quarterback Joey Yellen kind of tossing the pill around and Maven Anderson in the slot and they got a big physical offensive line coach, Chad Johnson, De- uh, Devin Woolyard, who transferred in. They got, they got some pieces at Michigan. No, no doubt. No, yeah. we, can, we can name a, not a lot of guys, right? I mean, a lot of guys that I, you know, Cam Fabi Kalan and KJ Trujillo, a lot of guys sure. I thought had good offseasons. But, sure. you know, if we want to try to keep it down to two or three, but no, we can go absolutely deep if we really wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. Let's move it to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, let's start off on the offensive line. I'm just going to shout my guys out, Greg, and you can kind of chime in. Okay. Uh, when you're ready. So yep. number number one, the new Rancho Cucamonga transfer, Dominic Perez, the 2021 offensive lineman. I thought he was physically dominant this offseason. Of course, um, he had some unfortunate news with his dad passing away. Um, and this is not a sympathy award I'm giving. This kid is physical and is ready. He's improved his agility, his foot speed, his quickness, his power, lower and upper body. Also, his ability to get his hips around um, to mirror pass rushers when he's playing on the edge, even though he's normally an interior guy. Dominic Perez, a dominant offensive lineman, still only going to be a sophomore. Miles Moreo, uh, absolutely you know, probably the number one guard in the country, Stone Kayvon Thibodeau, this offseason at the Nike camp, uh, just did an absolute phenomenal job in every camp set. I don't know if he lost a rep the entire offseason. He was dominant. Jonah Tawanu at Narbonne thought he was very physical, thought he showed versatility. Like him more um, on the outside right now. I think he's got the foot speed to stay and mirror and stay in front of. Jason Rodriguez, Oaks Hills High School's uh, big, athletic, need to continue working on that knee, that knee band, but terrific uh, performance at the Under Armour All-American Combine, won an MVP there. And then my guy, Ryan Suyafu out of J. Sarah. <laughs> I really, really like this kid. Came out to the Pro Football Hall of Fame showcase that I facilitated, and he was dominant. He did not lose a rep, lost a tooth, but did not lose a rep. And Ryan uh, is a centennial transfer to Jay Sarah. He will lead that offensive line. You know, Pat Harlow is going to have them boys upside upside people's head in that uh, in that interior and in that offensive front. But Suliafu, Greg, I really like this kid. He plays mean and nasty as an offensive lineman, and he will put people on the ground, not yeah, underneath no, the ground, but in the ground. 
You know, surprisingly, at the Huntington Beach tournament, it was a lineman competition and a seven-on-seven. Jay Sarah won the seven-on-seven, but didn't bring their line out there. So that was really surprising because Pat Harlow, it's, I, I love Pat. Right. And we'll have him on the show for sure. But every time I see him, he looks at me, I look at him, and he just shakes his head in disgust. <laughs> he hates seven-on-seven with a Pat. I don't have to even say anything. I go, hey, Pat, how you doing? And he just shakes his head and goes, seven-on-seven. Like, he hates it, right? Because he's a lineman. But yet, they didn't have their alignment out there. So I was a little bit surprised by that, but everyone was talking about that guy. Um, the two Centennial transfers, they were saying, dude, we, we got we got some dudes up front that are going to be really, really good. So I was hoping to see him, but unfortunately, he was not there. But uh, Jason Rodriguez, I love at the UA, under, the UA um, Combine. He got MVP. He was invited to the Under Armour All-American game as a result of that. Really performed well. Huge kid. I think he does, definitely has the frame to play uh, probably right tackle or maybe even slide the guard. He's a tall kid, 6'6". He's 320, 330, really well put together. Miles would be my Miles would be my MVP as well. And I thought he should have got invited to the opening finals. I thought he deserved it. You know, he was the MVP at the SoCal camp. And I think if you look at some of the guys he went up against and how well he performed, and then after seeing the opening finals and seeing how some of those guys performed, I think Miles would have fit in and, and probably outperformed a lot of those interior guards, no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah. Um, and then Jonah. I, I always liked Jonah. I thought Jonah, he looked more athletic to me this, this offseason. He just looked like he had better foot speed. Maybe it just maybe it might, might just be confidence in knowing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you're if you know what how to play, you can play faster. So sure. but he just he just looked better physically. He looked good. Liked him at UA, liked him at Nike. And after kind of we you know we reviewed all the film every one-on-one rep liked him even better at the opening finals than we did actually watching it live. You kind of watch the film, you know, this guy actually did well. He won more reps than he lost, which was, you couldn't say that about too many linemen there. He took reps inside and outside, and so I liked all of those guys. I would love to have seen more of Sean Ryan from San Juan Hills, who's our number one tackle on 247, but, uh, you know, he did the Army Combine, did phenomenal there. I saw him this past weekend. And, dude, just watching this guy run some stairs and just the way he bends and how athletic he is. I guess his dad is really um, into sports science. Yeah. So the coaches were telling me, like, the guy has, like, freakish hip flexors and flexibility. The guy is 315, and you would think he was, like, 270 by the way he moves around. So Sean Ryan, special talent, but my MVP would go to Miles for what he did at various events. Yeah, no no argument there. And just to touch on Sean Ryan really quickly, when I saw him as a sophomore – I mean, I thought he was J.J. Watt. You know, that's how athletic, that's how light on his feet, that's how quick he was on the defensive side of the ball. Where he's ballooned up, and he's 315, 320 now, so of course he's going to kick to the offensive side of the ball, but it just speaks to how his dad is kind of a you know sports science guy and has probably attacked um, and addressed those areas on a consistent basis with his son probably for a really long time. And it's only going to pay dividends down the road. So Sean Ryan, like you said, a special talent. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, Miles Moreau. I didn't see the kid lose a rep the entire offseason. So phenomenal job by him. Only a 2020 kid, but uh, a very, very, very good football player. Let's move on to the tight ends, GB. Uh, you want to start it off or you want me to start that off? Go ahead, man. Okay. Roll it. For me, a tight ends, it, it was a epiphany when I got to see Mike Martinez up close and in person. Nike camp, modern day college showcase, 
Nike opening finals. I like kids who make plays regardless of if they're covered or not covered. Right? I like guys who can finish through contact, through the contest. Michael Martinez is not an elite athlete. He is not going to run 4-5 and run away from anybody. What he is going to do is box you out, stick those 11-inch hands in the air with that 7-foot-3 wingspan and pull the ball down with you draped over his back. Love Mike Martinez. Thought he did a great job at the Nike camp uh, in March. Thought he did a really good job at the opening finals. And uh, he's a newly named Pro Football Hall of Fame All-American and he has been my tight end of the offseason. GB? Only going with one. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared. I was drinking water. You was in, <laughs> no, you only drinking your monster. Yeah, I'm only um, going with one. So, yeah. So, um, I'm going to. So, the two guys for me um, that I thought performed the best consistently were probably Jude Wolf and then Junior Darnell Washington. We talked a little bit off air about Darnell. Might not be a, a bigger freak out west in the 2020 class than Darnell, who's. Six seven and runs track and just uh, a guy who, I mean, three sports state champion. Like, yeah, I mean the yeah. guy you know might be the closest thing to to what you would call you know a sure thing at the tight end position. And yeah, he, you know, like he keeps growing, then he outgrows the tight end position, and he moves to tackle. Uh, but I thought Jude was the guy who you know I, I liked. You know, we are on the every year, uh, every year, every week last year. The season kept saying that throw the ball to Jude, get, just get Jude more involved. And I, one of the first seven on seven tournaments I was at, I saw Jude probably have more catches in one game than the whole entire season last year. So hmm. it was good to see him. I think of all the tight ends out west, I, I like Martinez, I like Ethan Ray. I, I feel like Jude is the most fluid in his, the way he moves around. Mm-hmm. I think he might be the most natural as a pass catcher as well. Uh, I thought he had a really good opening finals. I believe he was second in catches um, behind Stogner, who was, you know, really, really good out there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought Jude was good. And I think, uh, yeah, I, I think he could have a big year if they choose to use the tight end in the, in the basketball offense because he's always open. But from a tight end, tight end standpoint, I like all those guys you mentioned. Um, I think freakish upside would go to Darnell, but in terms of who I thought performed the best, most consistently, for me, it'd probably be Jude Wolf. Love Jude Wolf. He's a big time baller. He's got a commitment coming up soon. What do you think? Where do you think he's going to go? I want to say August third. Yeah. Where do well, you think I, he's going? Where do you think he's going to commit to? I think he's going to fight on. I think USC's in a good spot for him. They already got Ethan Ray. I think those are going to be their two guys, and I think I think they're going to be pretty excited to have those two Trinity League friends and rivals fighting on in a couple years. <laughs> That's not. It's not a bad combination. Kind of an embarrassment of riches there. What do you think? No, I think so, too. I think so, too. All right, let's move on to the running backs. Uh, I'll start it off. Nike camp, check, check, not Nike camp. USC camp performance by Jawan Collins I thought was special. He looked like a young Marshawn Lynch. I mean, he's a physical specimen, uh, runs fast, uh, plays with unbelievable intensity, but under control. He's never out of control. A very, very nice kid, bright kid, um, and just built like a brick. I love Jawan Collins. Again, his performance at the USC camp was outstanding. I thought, you know, hey, he was a top guy there until I saw Chris Street, who was pretty special himself at the USC camp. Um, And his quickness and his explosiveness 
in a phone booth was really special for me. He had unbelievable hands, his ability to make people miss and break people down in space. I thought was really phenomenal. Um, Chris Street, Jawan Collins. I'll take those two guys as my running backs versus any two running backs in the nation. And I'll feel good about my chances. Those two guys can play at a high level anywhere. I don't care where you put them. They're going to stand out. Collins, Street, big-time players. GB? No, I like it. I like that you went with a couple underclassmen. That's always good to do. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I don't know if we can even call this guy, if we can even call him a running back because he played so much slot receiver, although his tape is more running back. Ah, don't Dallas do Jackson. it. Ah, GB. We've got to find a spot for him somewhere, right? Or, I mean, did you want to put him with the receivers? We can, we can definitely do that as well. Yeah, I hear you. But he played, he came out of the backfield a ton. You know, he plays for Coach T with TMP. And the guy is just so dynamic. You know, at the Nike camp up in Northern California, he was with the running backs, got MVP with the running backs, and then he ended up staying an hour and worked out with the receivers and was one of the top guys there as well. But he got that running back MVP award, and he was invited to the opening finals as a running back. Therefore, I can claim him as my MVP <laughs> running back, even if he probably will be more of a slot receiver yeah. at the college level. I, I also like, you know, Sean Dollars, I think, is, is one of the best pure route runners in, in high school football. I mean, I think the guy that he's always open. Again, at the opening finals, I think he was second in the whole deal with catches. He is – it's almost like he's, he just, he's been doing it his whole life. I mean, he's, just, he's such a natural route runner and catches the ball effortless, doesn't fight it, doesn't double catch it. Uh, just looks smooth and efficient, can make plays down the field as they run back out of the backfield. So uh, I, I like Sean, MVP, Giles Jackson. Yeah, you know, hard to fight that. I Let's move to wide receivers. I have Giles Jackson down only okay. because, you know, that's where I saw him most this offseason. Um, so that's why he's in my wide receiver group, which is probably too big. So, uh, <laughs> But Giles Jackson, man, he was unguardable one-on-one at the opening finals, GB. I did not yeah, see no. anybody stay with him. No, no doubt. Uh, he Didn't he run 4-3, if I believe it? I think cor- he ran 4. I think he went 4-4, four, four, but he had a 3-9-5 shuttle, I think. Yeah, it was something ridiculous. I mean, his speed yeah. and quickness really pops. Um, he can get behind anyone. And he's just he's in a small package, and it's, it's hard to deal with guys like that in space. Probably why... Michigan, SC, Oregon are all trying to get his services. Freedom High School, they got a young bullet over there in Giles Jackson, and I love him. Moving along. 385. Three, yeah, 385. 385, also vertical jump 38 inches. That's, so, and that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big vertical jump guy. That's insane to go 38. If you're in the 35 and up range, you got some, you got some explosiveness to you. I was right at 34 in college. All right, man. I need you did your best. I need to get on my squats. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's move along. Gary Bryant. Um, okay, I like Gary. I, this is a quintessential playmaker. If you look up the word playmaker in a book, you're going to find a picture of him diving and making an unbelievable catch. I mean, Gary Bryant is as smooth an operator as you can get. Outside, inside, return game. But just this offseason, I mean, he's just a route runner. He's a ball catcher. He he can break you down. Um, I love Gary Bryant. I love Gary Bryant. There's nothing he can't do as a wideout. He can hit you with the route. He can hit you with speed. Um, He can hit you with some physicality for separation. 
Um, he can get off the line with with unbelievable moves. Love Gary Bryant. Micah Pittman. I thought he was really special at the opening finals um, in Dallas. Micah is a running back playing slot receiver or receiver. I mean, he's built, like you said a million times, Grit, like a back. Thick lower body, physically built up top with the shoulders, the biceps, a lot like Amon Ross St. Brown. The quickness, the strength, the ability to understand coverage, understand how he's being covered, and to attack the coverage. I really like Micah, his football IQ as a wide receiver, and that's important. you got to be able to see the same thing your IQ quarterback sees, and he can make plays, catch and run, sit down in the zone, get over the top. Micah Pittman's a baller. And then last but not least, what can you say about Kyle Ford? He's been unstoppable this offseason. Doesn't matter who guards him. Doesn't matter, GB. I don't care. You can put Stingley on him. You can put, you know, Max Williams, Steele. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Kyle Ford is not to be stopped. He was not to be stopped this offseason. One hand, two hands, somebody holding him, some guy draped on his back. Didn't matter. Kyle Ford was going to make plays. He looked like a man possessed at the opening finals. And I was in awe of him. And it, and it couldn't, he can't, he couldn't be a more polished person. That, well, that was one thing about Kyle that I learned at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy when I spent time with him. A great kid. Not just an unbelievable football player, not just blessed with the genes of an Adonis, but a great kid with a terrific smile, unbelievable personality, but just, man. At six foot two and 210 pounds, run past you, run you over, break you down, make you miss, leave you reaching for air. Kyle Ford, five-star football prospect. GB? Nandi Asimwa in his prime. <laughs> I've covered Kyle Ford. Could not have done it, Nambi. I don't know about that, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know either, but I just want an excuse to talk about Nambi. I hear you. So Kyle would probably be the unofficial MVP. I love him too. Don't want to belabor it. You already went over all that, and I agreed with all of it. How about Logan Lawyer, though? How about everybody loves Logan? Yeah. I, I thought Logan was uh, was probably my underclass MVP. I love Gary Bryant as well. There was just something about Logan, maybe because he I was drawn to him more because he's the underdog, whereas Gary already had those offers, and Logan for the longest time had nothing. So I was kind of just... You know, all about Logan, but uh, I think both those two underclassmen are going to be, you know, national level recruits. At least I hope they will next year at this time. I thought J.R. Waters was kind of a sleeper for me that jumped up. Uh, I thought Chachi Delgado had a couple of really good performances. Saw him uh, kind of at that final uh, event in Vegas to get invited to the opening finals. Josh did really, really well there. Um, you mentioned Micah Pittman. He was also excellent at the Vegas event and then also at the opening finals. And then if I, if I had to go full-on sleeper, man, Jabari Kendall from Arcadia. Yeah. He was the wide receiver MVP over Kyle Ford, over Brew McCoy, over Micah Pittman, over Kobe Bowman, over all these guys, Jabari Kendall. And then you know what? He went out there and absolutely lit up Vegas as well. And he was just as good as those guys, completely off the radar. Uh, I'm not sure why, but... Tell you what, dude, this guy just knows how to get open. Probably the best pure route runner I, I saw this offseason. I mean, he was getting 
three and four yards of separation. I mean, he was getting Chad Johnson, senior-type separation, and talking to Curtis Conway and Damon Griffin at the Vegas event, and they're just marveling at this guy going, dude, how does this guy create all that separation? So Jabari Kendall, man, this guy could be our sleeper of the week every single week until he starts getting some college love. Hopefully the academics are in order. I don't know that, but hopefully they are because Jabari Kendall can play, uh, absolutely can go. So that that would be my my wide receiver breakdown as well. Unofficially Cal Ford MVP, and then Jabari Kendall, man, that guy – deserves a little bit of love for sure. Yeah, uh, you know what? I left a guy out. Jamar Simpson. I thought he deserved a little bit of love. He really showed out, I thought, this offseason. Uh, beat some guys deep in 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, and showed his speed. Then was documented as the fastest guy at the March opening regional SoCal Nike deal. Jamar Simpson. Rancho Verde, I want to make sure I show him some love. So, yeah, I love the Jabari, Jabari Kittle thing. Uh, a young Andrew Hawkins? So Jamar, Jamar Simpson took Elias Ricks deep, our, uh, our yeah. DB MVP. Yeah, absolutely. No. Hey, so, listen, yeah, no, man, it's tough Simpson, to stay with that. Simpson had a good offseason. Absolutely. absolutely. It's tough to stay with that. If you don't know. Yeah, exactly, right? If you don't exactly. know, he will run by you. So, uh, But I love the Jabari Kendall deal. A young Andrew Hawkins. Remember Andrew Hawkins used to play for the Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, he was just, yeah. a, just a quick explosive and an unbelievable route runner who can stop on a dime. Jabari Kendall. That's what he kind of reminds me of. So, um, yeah, man. So that's our group. That's our top off-season performers here whoa, on the whoa, trans. Whoa. What do we got? We got quarterbacks. Oh, GB. We did they forget quarterbacks. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am sorry, my man. Why don't you start us off? So I got two guys. Um, that kind of vied for my, you know, MVP. I, I, I know you like these two guys too. And just to be the devil's advocate, I'll go with a different guy. Um, so Ryan Helensky, Spencer Rattler, um, in terms of just winning every single seven on seven event he was at, you know, Helensky made a big jump and I've known Ryan for forever. Cause I covered his oldest brother, Kelly. And Ryan was, was, was average as an eighth grader. He was good as a freshman. He was Pretty good as a sophomore. He was really good last year, and he just keeps getting better. Right. And so many quarterbacks, because they're overtrained, they peak really early. I can name a, a number of quarterbacks that peaked as sophomores. And the thing I love about Ryan is he isn't—he hasn't hit a ceiling yet. He could still get better. And I think again, you ask him why, and he'll say it's confidence and his confidence and the way he's just playing so loose and free and easy. Yeah. You can see it, and he's. He's accurate with every ball. He can change speeds, understands you know, when to throw a touch, when to throw uh, the deep balls, a little more heat. He's smart with it. He does all those things. But if I had to so, – and I'm biased towards Ryan because, I, again, I watched him growing up. But you know, if I'm trying to not use my heart, use my head, I, I kind of sure. have to give, give some extra weight to the two biggest events of the year, which was the Elite 11 Finals in Redondo Beach and then the opening finals – you know, Spencer Rattler was, was MVP of both those two big events. And, you know, for me, it was really the first time seeing him extensively. I have seen him in a seven-on-seven event, but watching him, you know, for three or four days straight at the Elite 11 and then watching him at the opening, I was, I was really surprised at what a good pocket passer he is. I had this vision of being more of an athletic quarterback that can kind of run around and, and make plays outside the pocket, but not really, a, you know, a guy that you can trust on third and eight. But Rattler really surprised me and impressed me with his ability just to be a pure pocket guy. 
to make every throw. He's got, you know, he's a skinny 6'1", but he's got some dynamite in that elbow. The ball jumps out of his hand. He's got plenty of arm and decision-making was on point at both those two events. I think the thing I love about him is the swagger that he plays with. And I'm not big on, on being cocky, but at the quarterback position, I think you have to be. And he just kind of carries himself in such a way that you just sense it and feel it right away. The second you get on the field with that guy, I feel like if I'm his teammate, I have this sense of security that I'm going to win this game because Spencer Rattler is going to, going to win it for me in the fourth quarter. He just kind of gives me that sense of, you know, in the huddle, I want that guy leading me. And if it's two-minute warning, if it's late in the game, I just I can trust Spencer Rattler. So I think for all those reasons why I would probably give him a slight edge over Ryan Helensky. And then obviously got to mention, you know, the, the dynamic juniors, um, DJ and Bryce, they were tremendous. It was great to see DJ this offseason. He's done baseball every other offseason, and he's made a big jump in his game from where he was at last year because he finally had an offseason. And then Bryce, what can you say about Bryce? kind of similar skill set to, to Rattler, similar winning vibe out of Bryce as well. So I think Bryce and DJ, the top two quarterbacks in the 2020 class. And you can make an argument, uh, Ryan Helensky, Spencer Rattler, not to be a West Coast homer, but you can make an argument. Those are the two best in the 2019 class. So uh, I think right now, West Coast quarterbacks, man, uh, they, I think they really represent themselves very, very well this offseason. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, t- I took Ryan... I took Bo as my MVP. Um, I thought he had just a phenomenal offseason, like you already stated. Uh, Spencer Rattler, I thought he finished super strong, stronger than anybody. Um, the Dynamic Juniors, I mean, we've been saying this for you know over a year now, and they just continue to grow and improve and make great decisions, protect the football. Um, I've said this before on this show, GB. You know, three years ago, when Spencer Rattler was a freshman, JT Daniels was a freshman. I argued down our quarterback guy at the time, which was Adam Froman, who's former Louisville starting quarterback, former Atlanta Falcon. I argued him down, and I said, Spencer Rattler is on the same level as JT Daniels. And if he's not on the same level, he's on his heels. And this was when they were freshmen, and and, and Adam argued me. I mean, he argued the heck out of me down. No way. He's no JT. No, JT is the guy. J- and I said, I know it. JT's the guy. I love JT. But I said, Spencer Rattler is right on his heels. And he said, no, they're not on the same level. He's not even close. And I we argued it. And that's what you do as colleagues, as friends, as um, evaluators, you stand on the table for your guy. You believe in what you see. You trust your own eyes. And uh, I've we always do the, we do all the time. Me here. and you do it all the time, <laughs> all the time. And uh, I have always been a big Spencer Rattler guy. So, like, again, since he was a freshman, and that he's got that championship it, Greg. He just does. You see it. It's that pedigree. It's that. It's that DNA when the lights are the brightest. You could just see him stick his chest out and let everybody know. You know what? I got this. Like you said, teammates know that we're going to win because we have Spencer Rattler. And he showed that. Um, I think he's shown that throughout his high school career as a state champion um, in two sports. I think he's shown that um, in the circuit. Uh, He's shown that at the opening finals. Spencer Rattler is a special football player. Um, He may not be the biggest. He may not have the strongest arm. I mean, the guy is just money, though. It, 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 he's money bag, money bag, money bag, money bag. That's Spencer Rattler. It should be his nickname, money bag, because when he's got the pill in his hand, you can cash it in because it's, it's going to the bank. So uh, 
GB, I'm with you 100% on your whole quarterback deal. I thought you did a great job, my man. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. That was fun. A little end of the summer. And uh, we did this last year, I believe, which means pads are right around the corner. So I'm excited. Kind of, kind of doing this means that it's good to reward some kids. also good to look ahead to when we all know real football is played, although we both have to multiple times. So a lot of people like to hate on 7-on-7, seven seven, but you and I have both seen, man, if you're good at 7-on-7, seven seven, guess what? These same guys we just talked about, Keith, they're going to be really good pads on this year too. So back off a little bit to those guys who say, oh, it doesn't matter what you do in 7-on-7. If you're good in, in one area, you're typically good in both. At least that's what we've seen so far in the last couple of years or since the last, last 20 years. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I can agree there. I mean, if you look at the, the date right now, it's the 24th GB that we're recording on. We've got one. We've got two. Um, we've got three weeks, basically, before kind of the season gets rolling. Yeah, August 17th. No, 16th. Chaminade Oaks. 16th? That's the, that's a Thursday. Chaminade that's Oaks. A Thursday night. Game. That's right. Chaminade Oaks coming on August sixteenth. So uh, I know guys are getting excited. Blake Anzalados, Kayvon Thibodeau, Zach Charbonnet. That's a a a star studded uh, group of players that are going to be in that sixteenth on a Thursday. Hopefully, we'll be in a ten to game. Wait. Have some fun. Wait. There's no doubt yeah, about absolutely. it, my man. So it's time, to, it's time to bring opener. this, yeah, no doubt. It's time to bring this baby to a close. We appreciate you for joining us here on The Transparent Th- Truth. We thought this was going to be a, a short show, but it turns out that, you know, Coach Keith can run his mouth a little bit. But please follow me on Twitter at Coach Keith underscore MP. I run my mouth a lot on Twitter. Follow my man at Greg Biggins. Follow the show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are out there. Follow the show on YouTube if you do not subscribe to the other platforms. We're going to be bringing some live um, kind of video cast coming up shortly here. We got our preseason show, our preseason, uh, you know, show that's going to be coming up. We're going to spotlight and shadow the teams, the coaches, the players, the matchups. It's coming down a pipe. Be ready for it. Uh, we're going to bring some more visuals to you guys. So hopefully you guys tune in, lock in, and load up with the transparent truth. Nobody does it like we do it. It's me and my man Greg Biggins. We're the one-two punch. We're the combo. Kind of like... Shaq and Kobe, kind of like LeBron. Like LeBron and Kawhi. Like, I was about to say LeBron and Kawhi. You, you don't. Hey, Jordan and Pippen. It's Coach Keith and GB. You know what it is. It's the transparent truth. Without further ado, let's bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool. <laughs>